This is a big one. I'm going to read a whole chapter to start our service off. It's only three verses long. So here we go. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. We're going to worship the Lord today. Are you excited to do that? Jazzed up. It's June 9th, summer day, kind of windy. You blew in, and we're going to worship the Lord. Will you, uh, will you bow your heads with me as we begin in prayer this morning? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship together. And Lord, we just want to lift up the name of Christ. We want to draw closer to you. Speak to us. Show us things in our life, Lord, that you want to, you want to speak to, you want to touch, and, and you want to work on. And, and so, Lord, we just want to be receptive to that. We want to fellowship together. And Lord, we just uh, we thank you for today. We ask your blessing over this service, Lord. Guide us, lead us. May your spirit move in a powerful way. And may our hearts be receptive to receive. And we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for showing that video. How many of you know today's Pentecost? Maybe some of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, it's in the bulletin. One thing to note, if you would, my message today is entitled, Led by the Spirit. If you have your Bibles with you, or you can pull one out from the pew there. Just turn to two passages with me. One is John chapter 16, and the other one's going to be Romans 8. We're going to start in John 16, but I want to kind of get you there right now, and a couple of things to note. In your bulletins on the back side where there's a spot for notes, I've kind of gone through a little bit of my sermon and uh, brought some things out that uh, you're, you're welcome to follow along as I go through the message and add your own notes along the way. But one thing, too, the, the very end of that says, two for the road. And so this is something that you can do maybe on your way home in the car or maybe later you're talking with your spouse or your family or those that you attended with today. But uh, what stuck out to you in today's scriptures and message? And then the other one is, what do you sense the Holy Spirit leading to you to do in response to today's message? So that's just something you can kind of take home with you. Uh, the other thing I want to note, um, this doesn't necessarily get plugged a lot, but one thing I want to let you guys know about is that we have our messages here at Faith that we give. They're online. How many of you ever watched one of our messages online? Okay, great. Real quick, Tyler, you just take inventory here. Raise your hand. 
of people that have been watching online. It is worth your time, the energy, the effort, everything you do to edit that. I was talking with somebody out here in the parking lot one day. They sent one of our messages to a, a neighbor of theirs, and they ended up praying to receive Christ at the end of their message. Leverage this. This is technology. This is the day we live in. People can come to know Christ in ways you never even thought of, and one way we can leverage that, though, is with technology. You can get that on our website or our church app, and we just want to let you know about that. You can always go back. If you missed a message, you can hear it again. Or if you maybe heard some things and you want to walk through it again, feel free. Go online and watch those again. Today is Pentecost, and I want to take a moment to kind of break that down a little bit. Maybe that's a word you're like, I don't know what that means. I've heard of Pentagon and all that stuff, and it kind of sounds like that, a little different. But essentially, Pente Pentecost is this. It literally means 50 or 50th. Okay, penta means five and cost to the 10th power, five times 10, 50. Now, the Old Testament Pentecost that we see in the Old Testament and we see in the uh, early church being celebrated by Jewish people, the Old Testament Pentecost commemorates the giving of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, and this took place 50 days after the Passover or after they fled Egypt. 50 days, Pentecost, okay? This is something that is observed by Jews. And so in the New Testament, when you're in the book of Acts, you'll notice that in the city of Jerusalem, there's believers, uh, if you will, Jewish believers that are from all different nations, different languages, and they show up to, to, to Jerusalem to celebrate the Pentecost. And in the midst of that, we have the New Testament Pentecost. And the New Testament Pentecost is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, and this took place 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. Pentecost literally means 50th, or 50, okay? Old Testament, giving a commands 50 days after they left Egypt, and then for New Testament, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. I'm going to walk through a little bit of the New Testament verses that lead us into this Pentecost that we talk about. And I, if you know the book of Luke, he also wrote the book of Acts. And you can put those two books together. You can read the last chapter of Luke and the first chapter of Acts, and they almost run seamless. Okay? And I want us to look at Luke 24, verse 49. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, Now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit just as the Father promised. Everybody say promised promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now that's in Luke 24, the last chapter of Luke. Now if you go to the book of Acts, you'll see this in Acts chapter 1. We pick things up. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, the Bible says, once when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. Everybody say promised, as I've told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 8, Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses telling people about me, telling people about Jesus everywhere from Jerusalem to Samaria and throughout Judea to the ends of the earth. And then a little bit later in Acts, this is Acts chapter 2. This is the passage of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
And the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and they settled on them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. Now, if you were walking by this room and that was going down, you'd think, what's going on? And the people in the crowd were kind of like, whoa, it's like, are these people drunk? What's going on? And Peter, the Bible says, filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Peter that denied Jesus, but Jesus reinstated in John chapter 21, he stands up and he preaches, and he tells them what's happening. And he says, the prophet Joel, this is, this is exactly what he prophesied about. It's happening right now. And what was happening is they were speaking in all these different languages. Remember earlier when I said at Pentecost they'd come to Jerusalem and you've got these people that are speaking all different languages. They're hearing people praising God in their own language. It was just unique. It was special. And so in the midst of that, Peter stands up and he then tells people the good news of Jesus Christ. And he finishes it off in verse 38 and 39. It says, Peter replied with his message, People were cut to the heart. They're like, what do we do? How do we respond to this? And Peter says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. In other words, each of you must get saved. That's the message here. Get saved. Then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, everybody say promise. This promise is to you, it's to your children and those who are far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church, that is Pentecost. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for Holy Spirit would be parakletos. And if you were to break this word down, it means one called alongside to help. One called alongside to help. Now, I had you go to John chapter 16. We're going to get into our text, okay? And John 16, starting in verse 7, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He tells them this. It is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. Now, remember, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside to help. Jesus is saying, it's better that I go. He's going to ascend to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father at the throne. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Okay? And it says, if I do go away, then I'll send him to you. Now, verse 8. And when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. And righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And judgment will come because the ruler of this world, that is Satan, has already been judged. Now I want to break this down a little bit. That word convict in this particular passage, the Holy Spirit will convict of sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. That word convict, if you break that language down on that, it means to convince or to expose. So the Holy Spirit has come to convince people of their sin, to convince people of God's righteousness, and to convince people of the coming judgment. Now, I want to break each of those down 
if the Holy Spirit is convincing people of their sin or exposing their sin, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he helps people see their need for Jesus Christ. I don't know if you remember that moment. Maybe there's some people I'm talking to right now that, that are saved, okay? And there was a moment in your life where you realized you needed Jesus in your life. The Holy Spirit led you to that point. He brings people to that place where they realize they need Jesus. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is he convinces people of their need for Christ, shows them that they're sinners and they need the redemption of Jesus in their life. The other part of that is the Holy Spirit convinces people of God's righteousness, or he exposes people to God's righteousness. So looking at it this way, something you need to know, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you now have the covering of Jesus. He's perfect, he's holy, and you've received him in your life by faith. You're not perfect, you're never gonna be perfect until you're out of the presence of sin in heaven, so you're gonna continue to make mistakes, but you still have Jesus' covering over your life. And so when God sees you, he doesn't see all your sin and junk and all that, he sees the perfection of Jesus because he's over your life. The Holy Spirit convinces you of that because you've got to understand our enemy, Satan, he is the accuser of the brethren. He is somebody that likes to condemn people. And he wants you to know that when you screwed up, you can't be used now. Satan would love to render you ineffective because you made a mistake or because you tripped and fell and you know, it was hard to pick yourself back up and you thought, well, because I've failed, I guess I can't be used for the kingdom anymore. But the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, no, no, that's not what God thinks. God sees the righteousness of Christ. So get up and keep going. The other part of how the Holy Spirit exposes or convinces us of God's righteousness is the Holy Spirit helps us to see what it looks like to live in God's righteousness. How do I walk in truth? How many of you just stumbled into that? when you got saved. I'm just, I started doing everything right, right? You, you've got to get into the Word, and the Spirit's got to show you this is an area you need to work on. Let's work on it. And you, you walk through that, and before you know it, you've now taken five, six steps in your journey where if you look back, you go, man, that's where I came from. But the Holy Spirit led me through that. He shows us what God's righteousness looks like. The other part is, is he convinces people of the coming judgment or he exposes people of the coming judgment. We need to understand that we have victory in Christ through the power of the cross. On the cross, Jesus rendered the enemy ineffective. He shamed the enemy, the Bible says. And so understanding that, I have victory over Satan. And the Holy Spirit helps remind me of that. The Holy Spirit draws that out in the scriptures. That Satan has a fate and it's not good. He's going to be destroyed and he's trying to take everybody out with him. He's trying to destroy your life, pick you off, all of those things. But the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, no, I'm going to convince you of what's to come for Satan. He might try to accuse you, but you need to know his fate is sealed. We have hope and we have glory in Jesus Christ. How many of you are looking forward to heaven, our future home? The Holy Spirit draws that in us as well. Okay, the future that we have, the coming judgment. Jake 
you led worship today, and he and I were texting a little bit back and forth this week what songs, and you sent me a list of songs, and I said, just pick these. You, you gave me a list. I said, use these during the service in this order. The order we sang today was Holy Spirit. What a way to welcome, you know, the, the time, right? Then we, we sang, Lord, I need you. Then we sang, Who You Say I Am. And then the last one was Hallelujah for the Cross. The reason why I chose them in that order is because the Holy Spirit convinces us, convicts us or convinces us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Lord, I need you. The Lord shows us our need for him. Then we say, I am who you say I am. He convinces us of God's righteousness. And the last one, Hallelujah for the Cross. We have victory. There's a coming judgment, and you and I, we will be victors in Christ Jesus. I just thought that was kind of cool. I didn't pick those out. He goes, here you go. And I'm like, there we go. We got it. We were led by the Spirit. And that's how it works. Another point I want to make is that the Holy Spirit communicates. He communicates. How many of you are aware of that? He communicates. Here's a real simple but profound way that he communicates. Through his word. The Bible is inspired. God breathed. His spirit is breathed upon these words, and there's life in them. And when you receive Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in you, and you start to see Scripture in a whole new way. How many of you can attest to that? Maybe you tried to read Scripture way back when. You didn't know Christ, and you just like, I don't know. I can't relate to it. It's just not for me. And then you got saved, and you're like, this is for me. You know, and you're seeing all of it, and it's just all of a sudden this is applicable to you, and it's because the Holy Spirit is causing you to see this inspired word in a way that's illuminated, and you're starting to see things for the way God has designed them. The Holy Spirit communicates through his word. I want to give us a little bit of an illustration as we continue with this Holy Spirit communicating. Uh, Brady and I and Judah just got back from New England. And a few years ago, there was one place in Massachusetts that we stopped at, and it's South Wellfleet, Massachusetts. And it's, I mean, ocean, and you're just like, whoa, I'm from Iowa, you know? You just get dazed, and before you know it, you know, it's like you could fall over because you're so just fixed on waves and stuff coming in. And um, Anybody can relate with that? I mean, it's cornfields and cornfields and bean fields and, and then a lake and then cornfields and bean, you know. So from my standpoint, it was cool. And one of the cool things we stopped at is a, a Marconi site. And there's a gentleman by the name, uh, and I'm going to try my best to pronounce his first name. It's Guillermo Marconi. And this guy had a passion as an innovator. And, and in the late 19th to early 20th century, this guy wanted to, to develop um, wireless telegraphy. He wanted to advance things beyond the wire being connected from what he wanted to see if we could shoot this out a little bit. And so this guy being the ingenuity, creative guy that he, that he is, in 1901 at St. John's, Newfoundland, he did a kite experiment. He hooked a wire up to a kite and off it went up into the sky. With, and by the way, there's electricity on this wire, okay? And he sends it off and the goal is we want to see what's out there if we can get any signals, okay? And the first transatlantic signal from England had actually been detected. And so that opened up a whole world of communication. 
you know, the Morse code and working through all of that. And so then towers began to be constructed. And one of these towers was in South Wellfleet, Massachusetts, the place that I was standing looking out over the ocean. And these towers are like 200 feet tall, okay? And there's kerosene burning engines that produce 2,200 volts of electricity. But that's then fed to a Tesla transformer that boosts that to 25,000 watts. I mean, when a spark goes off on this thing, you could hear it four miles downwind. I mean, there's a lot of juice on this thing. And they're starting to communicate now across the Atlantic Ocean. And in 1903, in South Wellfleet, Maine, they had the first public two-way wireless communication between Europe and America. And the advancement of that led to more and more things. And one of the most notable things that, that this particular station had was 10 years later, it was used to alert the British Navy that the Titanic was sinking. And you look at something like that, and I mean, we, we, you know, maybe that's not impressive to you because you weren't standing there with me and looking across the ocean. You're like, man, like all the way across, like all the way across. You know, and some of you are like, guess what? You could pull this out and you could FaceTime with somebody back home, all the way across back home. You know, now we are living this age of communication where we jump off satellites and before you know it, you're talking with somebody around the world. You know, and so now we can look at that and be like, oh, big deal. But I mean, think about it. The first wireless communication and the distance that that went, it was just absolutely incredible. And in the midst of that, I think to myself, I was like, do we ever sit and think about how the communication is happening for us as believers to the throne? I mean, the power of this wireless system sending it across the Atlantic Ocean, the Holy Spirit and His power and how from the throne where God and at the right hand of God the Father is Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit is this wireless transmitter, if you will. And I want to show this to you in John chapter 16, in verse 13 and 14. Jesus speaking, He goes, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. And he will tell you about the future. And then verse 14, and he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. That's pretty cool. From the throne down to Christ followers. That's bigger than the Atlantic Ocean. Just going to throw that out there. That's awesome. And then the other thing, now I told you to go to Romans 8. So flip now two books to Romans and go to chapter 8. I'm going to pick this up with verses 26 and 27 in Romans 8. Paul says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Have you ever been in a situation where you just, I just don't know what to pray I don't know what to say. I, don't, I mean, the situation might be so serious, I just can't get words out, or I just don't have the words. The Holy Spirit, listen to this. The Holy Spirit prays for us. If you're a follower of Christ, that verse, hold on to that. The Holy Spirit prays for you. 
with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. In verse 27, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Here we are on this earth, Father and Son on the throne, and the Holy Spirit is just bringing messages back and forth. I'm too tired to pray. You think about the line that you're about to connect to when you bow your head in prayer and the power that is behind that. My last point is this with the Holy Spirit. He's evident. I mean, he can be seen in true followers of Jesus Christ. Now, while I have you at Romans 8, I want you to go to verse 1. Okay? There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power, everybody say power, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So thinking of the illustration I gave you with Wellf, uh, South Wellfleet, Massachusetts and this tower and the voltage and all, the, the voltage of the Holy Spirit is far greater than the voltage of sin. The voltage of the Holy Spirit is greater than the voltage of sin. Now I'm going to break that down a little bit more. Let's keep going here in verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. This is what God did. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. Salvation comes because of what Christ did, sending his son to die on a cross. God did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Now let me define who us is. You get it in this verse. Us is those who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So before we keep reading, let me just say this. If you're saved, if you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, people around you should be able to see the Holy Spirit at work. Let me say that again. Some of you are like really thinking about that one. If you're saved, if you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, people should be able to see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. There should be some fruit flowing out of you. If he's in here, you're going to see it. And, and I'll break this down as we keep reading, but it should be evident. That's my point. The Holy Spirit is evident in true believers. What's sad is that Scripture is plainly telling us that there is no more power, or there is more power in the Holy Spirit, and yet at the same time, sometimes people are so trapped in their sin, and it's because they haven't given control over to the Holy Spirit. Far too many Christians live their lives still under the power and the control of sin. They're not going anywhere. They're just, the wheels are spinning, and there's no traction. Okay, let's keep reading, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So let 
So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. And here's the thing. There's people that are listening to this message right now that you want that life and that peace in your life. You want it. There's turmoil, there's things going on, and you just wish you could have some of that, that peace. And like I said, you're spinning your wheels, you feel like you're not getting anywhere. I want you to keep listening. Keep listening. Verse 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. In other words, you can't do this on your own strength. It's not going to happen. You can't work your way into heaven, Pastor Paul. Not going to work. You need Christ in your life. That's the bottom line. You can't get there on your own strength. So here's verse 8. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you, now remember who Paul's talking to here. It's genuine followers of Jesus. He says you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you so that even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, okay, so if you see that in the Bible, back up and see what we're trying to say. And then when you see a passage that says, therefore, here's the conclusion to this matter. Therefore, verse 12, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No obligation. For if you live by its dictates or by its control, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put it to death, the deeds of your sinful nature... You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. The Holy Spirit is evident in true believers. The Holy Spirit is evident in true believers. How many of you have a surge protector at your house? Okay, a few of you. Okay, a surge protector is obviously designed to protect your electronics from getting zapped because there's a, all of a sudden a surge in electricity, whether the electricity goes out and comes back on hotter than what it was or any of those types of things. I'm no electrician. I'm not trying to be an expert, but that's the gist of a surge protector. If you don't have one and you get a power surge, what could happen to your electronics? Yeah, zap, or sometimes worse, hopefully not, but... You know, in that situation, zap, your electronic is dead. Now, the power of the Holy Spirit, we talked about this in this passage, and the power of sin. The power of the Holy Spirit is far greater than the power of sin. And I want you to think about this. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life, that surge can zap the sin in your life. But you need to surrender your life under the Holy Spirit's control. Surrender your life under the Holy Spirit's control. Sometimes we can say things like, well, man, you can really see the Spirit uh, being poured out on this person or that person, and, 
And those are good things. I'm all for that. But one thing sometimes we can overlook is this question right here, and I want us all to sit on it. How much does the Holy Spirit have of you? How much does the Spirit of God have of your life? Have you released full control unto him? Or are there things in your life that you're still hanging on to that you still want to have control of, that you still want to dabble in, that you still want to partake in because of the people around you or the the addiction that it is or whatever the case might be. But here's the thing. Surrender control and watch the power of the Holy Spirit totally zap that sin issue. Surrender. The voltage of the Holy Spirit is greater than the voltage of sin. Putting this message together this week in my studies, I got really excited with what I was sitting on and just all the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. I gave you five things today, but I want you to know he does a lot more than that. A lot more than that. And so I just, as I'm studying, I'm putting all these things together, and I'm like, I just want to stir us a little bit and, and how exciting this is. And I hope it gets you excited or maybe as excited as I was because I was like, I can't wait to share this with people and hopefully you guys will be pumped up and jacked up with me, okay? But here's just some things that the Holy Spirit does. Here's ways he leads. Here's ways that he works in no particular order. Here we go. The Holy Spirit, he lives inside of believers. That's awesome. The Holy Spirit lives inside of believers. He speaks to believers. He reveals God's truth. He inspired the word of God. He illuminates the scriptures. He helps us to fight Satan with the word of God. He enables us to say, Jesus is Lord. He reveals Christ to us. He imparts God's love to us. He develops the character of Christ in our lives, and he emboldens us to speak when we're in difficult moments or circumstances. He gives us comfort and encouragement, and he helps us to pray. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit into Mary. Jesus was filled by the Spirit. Jesus preached in the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus performed miracles by the power of the Spirit. Jesus was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit as our helper, our comforter, and our counselor. He promised the ministry of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. And Jesus pours out the Spirit upon his believers, that is, his church. And he speaks to the church. He unites the church. He incorporates us into the church. And he creates fellowship in the church. And he gives gifts to the church. He appoints leaders for the church and he guards the church against error and he warns the church against drifting and falling and, and he equips the church in the midst of spiritual warfare and he commissions us for the advancement of the gospel and the kingdom of God and he directs the global missionary enterprise he glorifies Christ he promotes righteousness he's grieved when we sin but he exposes our sin and leads us to Jesus and helps us to see our need for Christ in our life and he sets us free from the power of sin. He was active in creation. He imparts life into God's creatures. He gives life to our mortal bodies and he's a deposit inside of us that the Lord is coming back for to take home to heaven. And he prays for Christ's future return and he makes us yearn for that glorious day. 
He is our seal and our pledge of final redemption. And this is all available to us because at the moment of salvation, he regenerates us to new life in Christ, baptizing us into the body of Jesus. And his presence is real and it's available to all who want this supernatural work and him activated in our life. And Jesus said these words in Luke 11. He says, if everyone who asks, they'll receive. And he who seeks, they're going to find. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open to them. And as he says that, he then unveils what he's talking about. He says, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's available to us. Just ask him. We live in a New Testament age. Pentecost is here. It's not 2,000 years ago. It's right now. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to lead you to Christ. He wants to remind you of Christ's righteousness and that you are useful. You do have a purpose and you do have a a plan and, and the future and the hope he has for you and the home that he's preparing for you. The Holy Spirit is at work. Donna Lee, would you come back, please, to help us into our last song? My point of application today is this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? No matter where you're at in your journey, no matter what's going on in your life, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And so my application, there's, there's two points today. And they're kind of churchy words, but most of you probably know them, and I'm going to break them down for you. The first is salvation. Salvation, where the Holy Spirit comes and and absolutely changes you, makes you into a new person. The other thing is, is sanctification. And that's the process in which we become more and more and more like Jesus as the Holy Spirit works in our life. And so no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you walked in with right now, God wants to work in your life. For some of you, it might be to bring salvation because you've not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And maybe you're a believer, and today's message is, as you're sitting here today, you're going, man, there's some things that the Holy Spirit is is working on in me right now. And my application point with that is for salvation. This is essentially what we're asking you to do is confess your need for Christ. Confess your sin. Say, I'm a sinner and I need Christ. And then change. The Bible says to repent. That's what that word repent means, to change. I'm going to go in a new direction. I'm not going to live this life anymore. I'm going to go in the direction that God has designed. And then when you go in that direction, the next thing would be to live in the purposes that God has designed for your life. I'm going to pray in a moment for people to receive Christ in your life if you've never done that before. But the other part of that is if I was to break down the application of sanctification, it's the same thing. Confess, change, and live. And maybe during my message today, the Holy Spirit's been showing you some areas in your life that he wants to to work with. Let me have some control there. Maybe there's a sin issue that that you're struggling with and and you you need the power of the Holy Spirit to come and absolutely zap it, right? Confess these things over. Ask him to change you 
and then live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray in closing? Holy Spirit, I know you're at work in this place, ministering to each of our hearts. Perhaps today there's somebody that's listening and they, by your convincing, realize they need Jesus in their life. And so, Father, in this moment, we want to take time to pray. And if there's people that want to receive Christ, I just simply ask you pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, today I realize my need for you. I confess my need. I confess my, my sin, and I, I need Christ in my life to forgive me of this sin. Now help me to change and become a new person and live for you. Help me to do this. Today I receive your salvation. With every head bowed and eye closed, if somebody prayed that prayer of salvation with me right now, would you just simply lift your hand and identify with me and just say, that was me today, Russ. Anybody at all, just simply lift your hand. Today was the day I would to receive salvation. Father, thank you for how you work in our hearts. Help us in this process of sanctification as you search your heart, search our heart, and help it to align with yours. And we ask for you to guide us and lead us, and we thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this time of worship today and breaking down of the word that you've inspired and help us to apply it into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.